0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be back with you, precious folks, again this morning. I bring uh, greetings from Canada. When I I left on the uh, 27th, on the 28th, it was 35 below. And I just want to let you know that we are going to bring a gift to you this week. I was looking at the forecast. Canada is going to send down a little greeting. I think it's going to be... Uh, high of 58 or 59 on uh, Tuesday, I think. So when, you, when the cold weather comes, just say, thank you, Tony, um, and you're very welcome. Genesis chapter 1. You might have heard this story before, but the very first time that I walked into a Bible chapel, I was two days old in the Lord. October the 16th in 1982 The preacher, a fellow by the name of Chester Donaldson And the very first time that I ever walked into uh, an evangelical church I'd never been in any church in my life other than the Catholic Church My wife thought that the uh, lightning bolt might come down and strike us Uh, We were so ingrained But I was a little... Baby in the Lord. And the preacher said, open up your Bibles. I didn't have one, but there was a few Bible in front of us. And I knew where Genesis was, and that's what he said. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. And I said, good. He's going to teach us the whole Bible this morning. (laughs) My wife, who wasn't yet saved, said, oh no, he's going to go through the whole Bible. And uh, he read this verse in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And he stopped there and for the next 35-40 minutes spent the time there. And I can tell you it was exactly what I needed to hear. As a young Christian, former evolutionist, had written uh, about evolution. And uh, to hear that preacher And you know what? I was sitting in the pew, I'll never forget it, saying, you know what? I believe that. And I know that God rewards that, right? So uh, let us read uh, Genesis chapter 1. And um, this morning we're going to look at it uh, uh, perhaps a little uh, differently, not in a lot of detail in terms of... um, going through the whole chapter, but I really do want to emphasize the first verse, and uh, hopefully it'll be a blessing to us. Before we even read, let's uh, pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you, O God, and we thank you, Father, for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. For each and every one that's come this morning, Father, again, never any coincidence. Father, perhaps there's one person or more this morning that needs encouragement that needs a blessing from yourself, O Father. And Lord, you know these things, you know our hearts, you know our hurts, you know everything about us. And uh, because of that, Father, we're confident as we pray this morning. Uh, We're reminded, Father, that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace where we might receive mercy and grace in our time of need. And Father, I don't know about each and every one that's come this morning, but I know myself I'm a needy person so father thank you again for listening and we pray a real blessing as we open up thy precious word the b-i-b-l-e and we just thank you in Jesus name amen in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it and it was so god, god called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day and god said let the let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear and it was so god called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called seas and god saw that it was good then god said let the land produce vegetation Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be light in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them <clears throat> excuse me, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. By the way. That's not in the Bible. Not the by the way. <laughs> this is in the Bible, though. I was reading something the other day about stars, and it's just interesting, isn't it? Here God just, you know, mentioned, and and, and he made the stars. <laughs> um, I was reading uh, an, Astra- an Australian, um, on the Internet, this uh, um, astronomer was saying that here's what they're up to in the count of stars. It's interesting because in the... Um, in the 1950s or whatever they were up to they couldn't they weren't even into the trillions as far as stars but now if you take uh 70 and then put 20 zeros to it that's how many stars they've counted and the more powerful the microscopes are the more they find amazing isn't it that's our god and it just says um He also made the stars. That's it. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created... Great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And so it was. God made the wild animals according to the kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that, that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over all livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every other living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give to you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was so. God saw that all that he made, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And there's chapter 1 of Genesis. Can I bring you to a couple of other short readings? Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. I think this is essential. When you look at um, this uh, passage this morning, and I know that uh, in a lot of ways this morning I'm preaching to the choir. And I don't have to convince you. But I think it's important to realize uh, uh, where God places the emphasis when we look at these couple of passages that we're going to read now in its context of Genesis chapter 1. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and um, in verse 1. Now faith... Is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Verse 2 This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is foundational. Genesis 1 and 1 is foundational. And it, as a matter of fact, when we read Hebrews and we read about the hall of faith, that you and I can place our names in this hall of faith. Even before all the other ancient names, if we read verse 3 again, what does it say? By faith, what we understand. That the worlds were framed by the Word of God. God just spoken into existence. And look at verse 6. I know many of you have memorized this, but it's important because this is where God places emphasis. But without faith, what? It is impossible to please God. Because to come to Him, you must first believe that He exists. And God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I have the privilege this morning of entering into the hall of faith with the other great names that are mentioned there if we will simply believe God's Word. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Like I said, first day. I ever heard... A preacher preach the gospel. Even though I was saved two days old, first time I heard Genesis 1 and 1 was preached. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go with me to Job chapter 38. You will see the mind of God here. This is a very important Portion of Scripture. We all remember the story of Job. It's interesting that we get to read Job. We see, after reading it, that Job suffered uh, for a reason. Job wasn't as privileged as you and I are. Uh, he had no under, no idea why he was suffering. But it's interesting that when you come to the end of Job, that God does not explain why Job went through what he went through. But look at the reasoning that God uses with Job. Look at verse... Uh, 1 of 38. Then the Lord, after all the diatribe, I don't know about you, but this is a good habit. Dave was mentioning it this morning that our uh, number one source of reading, and can I challenge you, it's the start of a new year, uh, to go through the Bible uh, in a year. I've made a habit as long as I've been a Christian to Read through the Bible every year. It's a good exercise, folks. It really is. And um good idea to do it. January 1st, why don't you start? I think it's four chapters a day. You'll get through it. Well, you could read it twice if you really want to be keen. Um, but the Lord here... Look what he look what he does to Job look what he says to Job Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and he said who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge brace yourself like a man i will question you and you shall answer me Here's what God does In the midst of Job's suffering he doesn't give An answer. As a matter of fact, what he does is he asks Job 60 questions. Now, I didn't count them. Somebody else did. (laughs) But he asks 60 questions. And they all have to do with, Hey, Job, where were you? When I created the heavens and the earth. Where were you, Job? Who are you, Job? To darken my counsel, isn't it interesting that he challenges Job not on based on his suffering, and not trying to get him to figure out. Just says, "Listen, that's why Genesis one and one, folks, is so important for you and for me, because look at look at Job's response." Okay, because it says, "Then the Lord answered Job, and then uh, and, and he and he goes on to talk about his creation." And in in um, in, in uh, chapter forty, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? You see, Job, when you read it, he he's contending with God. He said, "I wish there was a mediator between God and and myself, because God knows that um, my conscience is clear." By the way, Job was a righteous man, a righteous man. But God, at the end, look at verse uh, look at 42. After all of this, God doesn't get talk about suffering whatsoever. What He does is talk about His greatness. He talks about His wisdom. He talks about His understanding. He talks about His creative powers. And, he, and, and what is Job? He comes to the answer that you and I have to come to, folks. If you want to please God, look at the answer that Job gives. Then Job replied to the Lord after these 60 questions about God's creative power, I know. Earlier Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and He shall stand upon the earth on the latter days. Job knew these things, but he needed to be reminded of this, and here's what Job says. I know that you can do All things. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you believe that? It's important because you will go through times like Job has gone through. And you need to understand that God, the Almighty God, the All Powerful God, the Creator God, there's nothing He can't do. I tell you, folks, you have to come to God. He'll reward your faith if you believe that. You can't just go around contending with God. You know, you, I, I listened to um, uh, a Christian uh, the other day on the radio. He was asked a question about evolution. And uh, he, was, he talked for 10 minutes and didn't even give an answer. On the radio, well, it could have happened. Doesn't matter, whatever, you know. And he just—he would—it it drove me crazy because I don't know about you, but for me, there's nothing that my God can't do. I, I was teaching a, a biology class uh, back in Canada. Every once in a while, they bring in a token. Uh, You know, because they knew I was an evolutionist at one time and that uh, I recanted, repented. And uh, an old high school friend of mine uh, said, well, we'll bring you in, you know, because while we teach uh, evolution as fact, but we give you one day, one class, uh, with the graduating class in high school to teach biology. And for years I did that. Uh, uh teach one class one day to teach creationism and i'll never forget there was a young lady she's a medical doctor now she sat maybe two rows away from me and uh i talked uh about uh the uh about creation i challenged uh the students about evolution and this young lady was very, very angry with me. I could see it. It was her body language was uh, uh, inescapable. You, could, you couldn't miss it. She, if she could have punched me, she would have punched me. And she got up and she said something I'll never forget. She said, Dr. Martin, can I ask you a question? I said, go ahead. See, do you really believe that God created... The heavens and the earth in six literal days. I said, I absolutely do. And I said, can I say one thing? There's only one question I ask. And she said, what's that? I would ask God, what took you so long? You see, for me, for me, my God can do everything. For me, I have no more questions about that. You see, that's faith, folks. It's not faith based on, as as, as we read the definition of faith in, in Hebrews 11 and 1. It's evidence. And the problem is, is that we negate the evidence. We bow down at the altar of science. We do. And evolution basically goes unchallenged today in our universities and institutions of higher learning. Why? Because we bow down to the altar of science, which isn't science at all. Folks, this is basics, it's foundational. Because it will have affect every aspect of your life. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? See, the world says, listen, show me, show me, and I will believe. And God says, no, no, I don't operate like that. Because I've already shown you. The heavens declare the glory of God. There's a gospel message going out through creation every day. Look at the stars. Look at the sun and the moon. Look at nature. God says, I've already shown you. You want? The world goes, Show me. And God says, No. I've already shown you. And if you want, you believe what I've already shown you. And then I will show you more. That's how faith works, folks. It's progressive. But you got to touch first base first. You don't get to home plate. Unless you touch first base, and that's first base. God created the heavens and the earth. It's foundational. Um, In 1903, there was a fellow by the name of Lewis who um, would have won the Nobel Prize In science, uh, but there wasn't one. He made an important discovery. You know what he said? It's taught in every science class, even today. In the universe, there are five categories in the universe, and there's nothing else in all of the universe. There is time. There is uh, force. There is action. And there is space and there is matter. He was renowned for that. He said, In all of the universe, there is time, there's action, or there's force, there's action, there's space, and there's matter. I remember learning that in high school. Well, let's go over it. Time in the beginning force God action created what's the fourth space the heavens what's the fifth matter the earth pretty scientific isn't it it's right in your bible it's the very first verse yeah uh, God created everything from the solar systems to the galaxies to the atom to the little uh, uh, viruses that you barely can see. But if you don't believe in one, you ever get sick recently? (laughs) Can't even see them. You need an electron microscope to see them. God created uh, everything in the universe. The laws that govern us the law of gravity, the law of thermodynamics, all created by God. How did He do it? How did He do it? He didn't do it, folks, by evolution. God didn't need billions and billions, if not trillions of years. He spoke it into existence. He spoke it. What a powerful God we have. He spoke it into existence. Creation is God calling to into existence what was not in existence before. It's the book of origins. It's foundational, folks. It's foundational. Um, if Genesis 1 isn't true, then what else is true in the Bible? Think about that. Think about that. I mean, you know, if you can just sort of pick and choose what you believe in the Bible, you know, in the New Testament it says that our Creator God is also our Redeemer. Well, if He's not our Creator, then how do you know He's your Redeemer? It really does speak to the inerrancy of Scripture, doesn't it? It also speaks to us of the accuracy of Scripture, of the truthfulness of Scripture. Folks, these things are foundational. It's essential. You do not get to pick and choose. Believing in Genesis 1 and 1 has severe implications in our society. We're seeing it today. Perhaps more than ever before. Folks, like I said, I was an evolutionist. At the crux of evolution, and Darwin said it, is that Darwin didn't have a problems per se with God as a creator. You read his writings. Uh, his writings. Uh, Darwin had a lot of question marks in his own mind. You know what bothered Darwin more than anything else? It wasn't the fact that God was powerful. What bothered him was God being the judge. Friends, listen to me when I say this to you. I have never met an atheist or an evolutionist that didn't have a moral problem it's not an intellectual question folks you know like I said bowing down at the altar of science it's not intellectual you go to a college professor and if he is honest he will say I'm not sure what bothers him more than he, him or her more than anything else I can tell you this with great certainty it's a moral question I do not want God telling me what to do. That's the question. That's the dilemma that they have. And because of that, they have invented. I know I was there. They haven't invented a science, a so-called science. It's based on chance. It's based on irrationality. I was irrational in my thinking. It was not logic. Science is logic, folks. Science demands observation, repetition. And every scientist who's an evolutionist has literally gone against scientific criteria to believe in evolution. They have to. It's illogical. Even the second law of thermodynamics. The fact that in a closed system, everything deteriorates. And according to evolution, that it's still going on today. You see, creation is a past tense. It happened in the past. God created the heavens and the earth, and He rested on the sixth day. At the end of the sixth day. Billy Graham, by the way, struggled with these things. I don't know if you've ever read his memoirs. Very interesting. He was in seminary, and a lot of times when you go to, um, bridal college. <laughs> that's why you go to seminary. <laughs> uh, it's bridal college. I know my kids went there. Um, you go there, and there's a lot of questions asked, right? They, 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 uh, you know, these institutes of higher learning. Well, he got to seminary, Billy Graham, and he said he wrestled with this. You know, did God really create the heavens and the earth in six days? Literal days. Um, and he, he wrestled for a whole year, and Billy Graham got to a point that his faith was almost shipwrecked. And he said that he went out one day and he was walking on a path wrestling with these things and um, he got on his knees and he said, God, I don't fully understand everything. And what I don't understand, O God, I trust You. I trust Your Word that your word is truth, and now I will no longer question you. What I don't understand, I will acknowledge in my little brain that it's my deficiency and not yours, oh God. It changes life. It changes life. He was never the same after that. Billy Graham never questioned anymore. See, God rewarded him. That's what faith does, folks. God rewards you when you leave it at the altar with God and you say, you know what, God? You know, admit, listen, folks. You look at the brain of a human being. It's a wonderful thing, folks. Most of it is dead matter. <laughs> it is. Most of it is just water and electricity. And it doesn't always work right. You can't just rely on that, uh, Folks. I was listening um, to, um, I just had a brain cramp. See the brain? <laughs> Hitchens, who just died last week or the week before, right? What's his name? Christopher Hitchens, right? He was on with uh, um, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, I, you know, I, I, you ever feel like I do? Maybe it's just me. I love arguing. I, I do. It's sort of a sport with me. you know. And, I, and the Bible reminds me not to contend uh, with people. Don't fight. Don't argue. But my wife knows this about me. I'm telling you, you put the Martians, the Martins, uh, my brother-in-law calls us Martians, you put us in a room and we love to argue with each other. It's a sport. It was just uh, something that we like to do. It, you, one guy picked one side, my sister picked another side, bang, and we go at it, have a big argument and kiss each other on the way out, you know? Um, but uh, anyways, Bill O'Reilly, there was no argument. I don't know if you saw the interview with Hitchens or not, but he, you know, because O'Reilly doesn't know what he believes. You know, he believes there's a deity, he thinks. He's not sure. Uh, you know, he, he believes in evolution, but he doesn't, you know what I mean? So he wasn't giving Hitchens any kind of uh, argument at all, and I wanted to go through the TV and <laughs> choke that guy. You know uh but um, I saw Hitchens afterwards on another interview that he did with uh United Church, well Unitarian, but it was a um, a very liberal um, head of a church, and she was saying this like she was making all these um um disclaimers before she got into any kind of uh, a discussion with Hitchens. So she said on the TV show, she said, listen, oh, by the way, I don't believe that this Bible is the Word of God per se. I mean, there's a lot of things that's from God in here, but I don't believe in creation. She said, I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, But she said, as a Christian, he said, hold it. If you don't believe that, he said, you're not a Christian. That came from an atheist. He said, if you don't believe any of that, you're not even a Christian. Why am I even talking to you? You're like me, he said. Um, anyway, let us spend a couple of minutes talking about the creation of man, because this is a key thing. Uh, the implications of is affecting our society today. Um It's interesting that we read Genesis chapter 1, and there's a fair amount of detail about creation, but on the sixth day, God created man. And isn't it interesting that the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Bible now, puts the emphasis on God and his relationship to man. (laughs) Not to creation, but God's relationship to man. And why is that? Because, you see, man was made in the image of God. Folks, this, again, is essential. Because man is different. Like, if evolution is true, then the animal rights group have it right. Like, you know what? If you had a piece of chicken last night, you're a murderer. You are. Don't laugh. According to PETA, you're a murderer. Because according to them, just read their, um, uh, their manifesto, folks. And you know what? They're, they're not wrong. They're not. Because according to evolution, you and I, by chance, are just protoplasm that got lucky. And we're on our way to a manure pile. That's PETA. Folks, what are you laughing at? That's evolution. By chance, our brain is a little bit bigger than the chickens, and according to PETA, we are a species that has overtook the rest of other species, and we have no right to do that. And so, if you're not a vegan, you're a murderer. And they believe that. But you know what, folks? If evolution is true, then they're right. They're right. But you see, God created man different. And I know, remember when I was here last time? I don't know if any of you people did this. You weren't listening. I said... I would give you a prize if you would come to me and bring me one news clip. Like, you know, watch your 6 o'clock news tonight, folks. Okay, just watch it. And watch it all week. I'll be here all week. And you can come to me next Sunday and say, Tony, you were wrong. You owe me. Now, here's what I'm going to say to you watch the news and if you can get any newscast that doesn't have an animal story in it I will give you a prize save the whales and kill the babies folks that's evolution see the implication save the whales and kill the babies that's our society today isn't it 40 million babies will be killed this year and who loses sleep over that? 40 million abortions will take place this year. Why? Because of evolution, that's why. Because, and every Marxist society, every totalitarian society is based on what? Marxism which is evolution. And you know what, folks? If evolution is true, then maybe Hitler wasn't wrong. Because according to him, he was in a higher race. That's all. It's survival of the fittest. That's what Hitler believed. Read his writings. That's what he believed. To him, it wasn't wrong. Jews were disposable and folks if you don't think evolution doesn't affect society you don't have to go very far you go down to Russia that has killed Stalin killed more of his own people than he killed of anybody else because why survival of the fittest that's why folks it, it, it permeates our society it's affecting us we can see it even today babies have no value you know they have no voice I'll tell you, you have a beach whale somewhere. You want to see society upside down? You watch when a beach whale somewhere comes up on any kind of shore and how the people will pour out and people will cry their eyes out and people will mourn over that whale and not lose one ounce of sleep over babies that die every day. True or false? False. you see what this you see why it's so foundational folks that you and I have to understand and that we believe in Genesis 1 and 1 that we believe in Genesis when we read about God created man in his image we're not animals folks I know we act like it but we's not we're not we were made in the image of God we were given. Um, you see, animals have instincts. We have a will. We can choose to love God or not. Right? God won't force us to love Him. God created man in His image. Now, folks, these are foundational, and I know that you believe them. But isn't it important? Because you and I can look at society today and see where it's going. That nothing plus nobody equals everything. Folks, I don't believe that, do you? God is our Creator God. The fact is, when you read Genesis 1 and 1, it teaches us a lot about God, doesn't it? It teaches us that God is not only all-powerful and all-wise, but that God is a loving man, You know, a loving God. You know what, God, what uh, David said? When I look up at the heavens, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of me, or the son of man that thou visitest me? David could not get over, when he understood the greatness of God, why God would love an insignificant little speck of dust like you and me. Folks, but does He? God demonstrated His love towards us. Well, yet we were still sinners. Folks, sinners, sometimes we, 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 we don't even understand that word. But the Bible makes it even clearer. We were enemies of God. And God sent His Son to reconcile us back to Himself. I'll tell you what, folks. That story of love comes from Creation in Genesis one and one. In Genesis chapter one, and I don't know uh, what's going to happen when you go through Genesis and the rest, folks. But Genesis one and one is, and and chapter one is foundational for our faith. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, O oh God. We thank you for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that it, it, the Word tells us in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And nothing has been created that was not created by Him. Imagine our Savior, our Creator. Father, thank you for loving us Thank you, Father, that we have come to the answer that Job came to. I know that you, God, can do everything. You're all-powerful, all-loving, all-wise, God. Thank you that you've opened our minds to that. We're no longer blind to it. Father, we believe it. We preach it. We thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ. His name we pray. Amen.